This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming to you from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will continue a sermon in my husband's series on heavenly authority. In this sermon, Pastor Greg is closing up some final points from the Old Testament before we move on to the New Testament section. And when we left off, he was discussing the prophet Elijah, who, after the miraculous victory on Mount Carmel over the prophets of Baal, flees in fear for his life from Jezebel. Journeying to the wilderness, he despairs and prays to God that he might die. Here now is Pastor Greg. And you know, who is the devil going to attack? Is the devil going to attack some Christian that is in name only and doesn't tell anybody about the Lord and acts like the world and nobody would even know he's a Christian? Or is the devil going to focus all his energy on those that are trying to proclaim the Word of God? Elijah is a threat here, right? He's turning Israel back to Yahweh, which means Satan will have no place. Who are the demons going to attack? Elijah. And often in the churches, often in ministries, ministers have some of the saddest lives. And this ministry burnout, if it happens to Elijah, it can happen to anybody. And you start to understand that as their eyes get taken off the Lord and onto the situation, when they see Jezebel, when they see they're the only one up there, there's no one else with them, they feel alone. Depression and fear comes upon them, and too many ministry families are broken apart. The burnout of ministers. Here is happening right to Elijah. He falls asleep, and the angel of the Lord comes and touches him and provides him with food and water, and then it happens a second time, uh, and he's told to arise and eat because the journey is too great for him. He was to go on a journey. And so he arises, he eats, he drinks, and in the strength of that food, supernaturally he's able to travel for 40 days and 40 nights, and he goes down to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Uh, and he arrives there obviously seeking a revival, refreshing from God. He's in despair. He doesn't know what to do. And you read in verse 9 of chapter 19, And there he, Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? That's the question. Why are you here? Now, it's a good place for him to go to try to fellowship with God and try to find out what he should do. How does he cope? He's beyond himself. These are some of the most dramatic passages to go from Elijah in chapter 18 facing down 450 prophets of Baal to Elijah cringing in chapter 19 before Jezebel. How does it happen? Human nature, it happens. What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. He's really given his life to God. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And you get an insight there into why Elijah feels the way he does. The people have forsaken you, 
They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And what? I alone am left. Loneliness. He feels all alone. He feels helpless, powerless, and alone. That's one of the characteristics of ministry burnout. You hear some of the discussions of some of these ministers that have been in huge churches, and yet they feel alone. But all the people in that church, because it's on a very shallow, almost like a theatrical play on Sunday morning, there's not the real close fellowship there should be, the ministers feel all alone. Elijah feels all alone here. And that's what's giving him the despair, the fear, the trembling, the desire just to give up on life. The Lord tells him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It's a display of the power of God. And after the wind, an earthquake. Again, a display of the power of God. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. These are all displays, the power, the glory, the magnificence of God, but God was not in them. And after the fire, a still small voice. God was in the still small voice. That speaks to the personal relationship that all those in heavenly authority, really, as believers, we are all called to be kings and priests unto God, right? The New Testament will learn, tells us we all have a ministry. We all have something we're supposed to do. And it's only accomplished through that personal relationship with God. If you preach and thousands are saved into that relationship but you yourself fall away, what good is it to you? Elijah still needed to hear the still small voice of God, God speaking to him personally, the care of God for him to help him. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. I'm going to die, and I'm all alone. Again, he repeats the same fear coming out of this prophet. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, and he starts to give him a list of things he's supposed to do. Why are you here, Elijah? You know what you have to do. You know the end result. You know what's going to happen to Ahab. You know the destruction on Jezebel. They're in a position of power now, but I'm the Lord God. They won't be in a position of power later on. You go and do what I've told you to do. Don't sit there and cry and whine that you're alone. Do what you're supposed to do. And he gives him charges. He tells him he has to anoint the next king of Syria, Hazel. He tells him he's to anoint the future king of Israel, Jehu. Jehu, who would then overthrow Ahab's son and successor. Most importantly, he tells him he has to go anoint the next generation of prophets. You have to train up the next generation. He has to go and anoint Elisha or Elisha as prophet in his place. There's still work to do. Why are you here? Go. Go and do. Go and do what I've called you to do, and don't be afraid. And all these that he's to anoint will be instruments 
of God's judgment on the house of Ahab. God will take care of Ahab. God will take care of Jezebel. You go do what you have to do. And then you read in verse 18, he tells Elijah, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. All those who have not worshipped, kissed, bowed down to Baal, I have reserved 7,000. There is what? There is a remnant. In Romans chapter 11, Paul will quote the scripture. Romans chapter 11 and verse 2, speaking about the nation of Israel that so many have rejected Jesus, but not all. He says, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There's a remnant. You think you're alone, Elijah. Some ministers out there might hear this and think they're alone. Think that they're powerless against the forces of Satan, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. They know there are powers, there are human forces that are against God's people. The world does seem to be going off in its own direction, totally opposite from God's ways. And too many times the Israelites, those in the church, are playing Christian, are playing at Christianity and mixing it with Baal. But Elijah, there is a God who whispers in your ear and cares for you. And he is the Almighty who knows the beginning from the end, and he has called you to a work of the ages. You are not alone. There are brothers and sisters who do care, who will lift up your hands in the battle. There is a remnant in Jesus Christ that love him just as much as you do. You are not alone. And they need to hear that and receive that and stop looking at all those who are going wrong and look at the few in your churches and you look out, do you know there are those in your churches that love Jesus Christ just as much as you, that are praying for you? There is a remnant of God who cares for him. That was the message to Elijah. There are those, there are 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. We're not alone. Sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes as believers, we all feel alone. Maybe in your family, you're the only one that's saved. Maybe in your, among your neighbors, you're the only one that's saved. You feel alone like Elijah. But you're not alone. There are others out there in the same situation, and God is with you. You know the story. You know how it ends. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to doubt. Don't give in to depression. And what does Elijah do? He departs from there, verse 19, and he goes and he does exactly what God tells him to do. So in the case of Elijah, we see the message 
of ministers what it should be, not to compromise, to purify your faith. We see how even Elijah can fall. He's human. He can become fearful. He can become doubtful. He can want to give up. And the message to him is that there is a God who loves you, who cares for you, that personal relationship of you to him, and you're not alone. There is a remnant. There is a remnant that returns unto God. The other two men we'll mention only briefly. Um, in the Old Testament, there's Jonah. Jonah is the prophet in the early 8th century B.C., the early 700s, during the reign of Jeroboam II. And we all know the account of Jonah, how God calls Jonah to preach repentance to the wicked people of Nineveh. But Jonah turns down the assignment, and he tries to flee to Tarshish by sea, and you know what happens after that. And the point there being you can't flee from God's calling. If he has ordained you for a purpose. Now you remember, we speak a lot in the Heavenly Authority series about those called to public ministry, right? Don't forget that every Christian is called to some type of ministry. If God has called you, if he has ordained you for a purpose, you can't hide. You can't run to Tarshish, to Spain. You can't go out on a boat and say, well, I'll get away from him. There's no place to get away from God. If you're called to do something, you have to do it. You can find information about Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle on the web. The address is www.shiarjeshub.org. It is a great site to share with your friends for serious Bible study. May the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve Him.